what about? The cows. Okay. All right. So we're we're doing a little bit of a practice round there. Now we're really gonna start it. Yeah. Like get, jump back in line. This is not good. <laughs> we kind of they they can complete it, but it, it it still has to tie back. They have to try to tie it back to what was just said. So it's not something totally unique. If they can make something totally unique while still tying it back. That's totally fine. It's all up to them. And I'm counting on you to be the honker. All right. So let's see. This is the real game. If you get honked, you're out. Seth went to work. But what about? The chicken. (laughs) (laughs) The chicken went to work too, but it crossed the road. But what about? Flamingos. <laughs> oh, man. The chicken crossed the road, and there were angry flamingos waiting on him. But what about the pink elephant? Well, the ink pink elephant was riding on the horse that the pink flamingos were playing with. <laughs> but what about the cows? The cows stood up and told the pink flamingos to get out of here. But what about? Guitars. Well, you see, the horse was playing a guitar. While he was following the pink elephant, and the chicken, after the chicken crossed the road, he, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> now do I say what we're about? All right. So now, okay, I'm ready. You could go ahead and um, start a whole new one. Start a whole new one. Mm-hmm. I went to the rodeo. But what about? Roger. Roger was the clown at the rodeo. (laughs) (laughs) But what about? The man-eating walruses. Roger did a skit about the man-eating walruses while he was the clown at the rodeo. But what about? Ice skating penguins. (laughs) I have no idea what I'm supposed to say now. Uh, (laughs) Roger, no, I got nothing. (laughs) See you, Scott. You can start a new one. Yeah, a whole new, whole new set. There was a farmer in the field. But what about the bicycle? That he found laying in the grass. But what about? The mower. There was a mower in the field mowing grass. But <laughs> <laughs> the, the what about? Right over the bicycle. But what about? <laughs> The electric mower that you can get at Lowe's now. Throw the horn, man. The guy bought the electric mower that you buy at Lowe's now to replace the mower after you run up your bicycle in the field. But what about? Darwin. <laughs> well, you see, what happened was it was actually the bicycle was a fossil of one of the old dinosaurs, <laughs> and Darwin thought it evolved, but it hadn't really evolved. But what about? Pigs. The pigs like to play in the mud that the farmer originally made in the field with the bicycle and the mower. But what about 
cats. <laughs> but see, cats have never really evolved. They've always been hateful and dumb. <laughs> but what about? Dogs. The battery run out on the electric mower. <laughs> so they had to go back to the original mower that got broke in the field that was run over to put it back together. And their dogs came along to start barking. But what about? The horses. The horse drunk the electric motor if the lawnmower was dead. <laughs> so Sunday morning as we were on our way to church, uh, I got a flat tire. But what about? The socialists. They called AAA. But what about? Nails. Well, when they got there, the socialists told them that the nails were put there by somebody else. And AA thought they were socialists, told them that they weren't responsible for the nails that were put in the road by somebody else. But what about? The communist. <laughs> now we've got socialists and communists and nails and, and a flat tire. So now we need to walk to church. But, but what about? The mechanic. Well, the mechanic couldn't work because he had to take the day off because someone else was working. Yeah. <laughs> Start over. So, this is going to be very interesting. We're down to three people. We're going to see how long we can go. You're going to need to yeah, rotate. Oh, okay. Keep All it right. going. Yep. Go right ahead. I went to the coffee shop. But what about? Blueberries. <laughs> you gotta go. Oh, gotta you gotta go. go again. What about the eggs they put in my coffee? What about blueberries? <laughs> blueberry muffin to go with my coffee and eggs. Went to the coffee shop, had blueberry, blueberries, and coffee and muffins, and now I'm leaving the coffee shop to go to church. But what about donuts? Donuts. Donuts have in them and it's got like a hole in the middle so I can put my blueberry muffin in it and then have my little saucer with coffee right to the side with eggs even. But what about? <laughs> this is harder when it's three people. Ice cream. <laughs> ice cream. Ice cream. See, ice cream's for dessert. After you have the coffee and eggs and donuts and everything else, the ice cream's probably going to be somewhere around 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon because you're finishing eating but what about <laughs> the preacher at church on Sunday? The preacher at church, before he came to church, had blueberries, muffins, donuts. And when he got up to preach, he couldn't preach because his belly hurt. But what about? But he was thinking about the ice cream. But what about the meeting after church? Oh, the meeting after church. Like you're already hungry. Thinking about the donut and the muffin and the coffee and eggs. Oh. They're going to make me hungry if I don't cut this off right now. <laughs> yeah, we're done. Thank you, ma'am. You could set that over, just set that over there. Oh. All right, so uh, we're having a little bit of fun this morning. Um, it's great to see everybody uh, here. Uh, let me, I can't talk and 
walk at the same time, apparently. So, um, all right. So, yeah. It's great to see everybody. Um, my name is Thomas Seifert. I'm not the pastor of this church, uh, but I am one of four elders that uh, leads, uh, tries to lead the church in the, the direction that the Lord would have us to go. Um, this morning, Pastor Philip is uh, on a vacation with his family, a much-needed vacation. So if you would, keep uh, their family in your prayers as they are traveling. Also, uh, Chad Harwell, who is uh, another elder, their family is also traveling, so keep them in, in your prayers. The fourth elder uh, is Greg Quinn, who is doing an awesome job on sound this morning. <laughs> and um, so that's that's who all of us are. Um, so from an elder, some of you who may or may not have been here for a while may not really understand what that means. Um, the, we as elders, our, our goal is um, to lead the church. We're, our primary responsibility is teaching and leadership. Um, and so that's what we, we uh, strive to do is to make sure that we lead and teach the church in the way that it should go. Um, thinking about some prayer requests, also... Um, just a praise for this past week. All of our teens got back from the camp, from uh, Word of Life camp. Um, that's we're glad that they all got back safely and in one piece. I hear there were some incidents that made us wonder at times whether we would get them all back in one piece. But uh, by God's grace, they're all here, uh, which is great to hear. And um, re realistically, though, we we need to keep them in our prayers going forward. You know, whatever decisions were made this past week. Um, those will only be kept up through prayer and through you know, the work of the Holy Spirit and through um, constant accountability and that type of thing. So we need to continue to pray for them. We need to continue to keep them in, in our, uh, our thoughts and prayers as they continue to move forward and try to um, keep the, the commitments that they've made or continue to walk uh, according to the Word of God. Um, so... Let's see, so this morning I'm going to ask you to turn to Genesis chapter 34. And while you turn there, this has absolutely nothing to do with um, the sermon today. I just don't get to be up here very often, so I'm going to brag. Um, this is my family. And so you get to, <laughs> yeah, thank you. So take a look at that while you're turning to uh, Genesis chapter 34. We're going to start reading in verse number one. We can move the slides forward. Okay, so in Genesis 34, verse 1, Scripture says, Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had borne to Jacob, went out to visit the daughters of the land. When Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, he took her and lay, lay with her by force. He was deeply attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the girl and spoke tenderly to her. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor, saying, Get me this young girl for a wife. Now Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter, but his sons were with the livestock in the, in the field. So Jacob kept silent until they came in. Then Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. Now the sons of Jacob came in from the field, and they heard it, and, they, and the men were grieved. And they were very angry because he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by laying with Jacob's daughter, for such a thing ought not to be done. But Hamor spoke with them, saying, 
the soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him in marriage. Intermarry with us. Give your daughters to us and take our daughters for yourselves. Thus you shall live with us, and the land shall be open before you. Live and trade in it and acquire property in it. Shechem also said to her father and to her brothers, If I find favor in your sight, then I will give you whatever you say to me. Ask me ever so much bridal payment and gift, and I will give according as you say to me, but give me the girl in marriage. But Jacob's son answered, sons answered Shechem, and his father Hamor with deceit, because he had defiled Dinah their daughter, their sister. They said to him, We cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a disgrace to us. Only in this condition will we consent to you. If you will become like us, and that every male of you be circumcised, then we will give our daughter daughters to you, and we will take your daughters for ourselves, and we will live with you and become one people. But if you will not listen to us to be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and go. Now their words seemed reasonable to Hamor and Shechem, Hamor's son. The young man did not de- delay to do the thing, because he was delighted with Jacob's daughter. Now he was far more respected uh, than all the household of his father. So Hamor and his son Shechem came to the gate of their city and spoke to the men of their city, saying, These men are friendly to us, therefore let them live in the land and trade in it. For behold, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters in marriage and give our daughters to them. Only on this condition will the men consent to to us to live with us to become one people, that every male among us will be circumcised as they are circumcised. Will not our livestock and their property and all their animals be ours? Only let us consent to them, and they will live with us. All who went out of the gate of this city listened to Hamor and his son Shechem, and every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of the city. Now it came about on the third day when they were in pain that two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each took a sword and came upon the city unawares and killed every male. They killed Hamor and his son Shechem with the edge of the sword and took Dinah from Shechem's house and went forth. Jacob's sons uh, came upon the slain and looted the city because they had defiled their sister. They took their flocks and their herds and their donkeys and that which was in the city and that which was in the field, and they captured and looted all their wealth and all their little ones and all their wives, even all that was in the houses. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have brought trouble on me by making me odious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And my men, being few in number, they will gather together against me and attack me, and I will be destroyed, I and my household. But they said, Should he treat our sister as a harlot? So, we have this very unfortunate um, scene laying out before us here as we read through this passage. Um, Jacob, of course, is a son of uh, uh, Isaac, and uh, his brother was Esau. We know the story that happened there. We know all the dysfunction that happened in that family. We know how um, this family just didn't operate in a very good manner, right? There was deception continually. It was from one generation to the other. We have multiple accounts of all this deception that takes place. And now we get to this place where one day his, his only daughter, Dinah, decides that she's going to go out and uh, go into the city one day. And while she's going to the city, the prince of the city uh, comes upon her and rapes her. And as a result of this event that takes place, he then tries to convince um, her family to let him marry her. Well, the Bible says that her family answered with deceit and said, you know, gave a condition, said, okay, you know, well, if you and your 
uh, city will be circumcised, then we'll give her, we'll, we'll let you, you take her. But the reality is they never planned on letting her go and, and, and marry this guy. They never intended for that to occur. They answered with deceit. And instead, after everyone was in pain, they came upon the city later and took, took everything, took the world, took all of, took all of their um, worldly possessions, took, uh, kidnapped their people, just did away with the city. And, um, of course, their dad is looking at this saying, well, now, I'm, I've not got that big of an army. Um, we're outnumbered here. Y'all should have thought about, thought through some of these things because it's not going to be very good for me um, because of what you have done. And their response is, well, should he have treated her like a harlot? What we're, what we're driving at this morning is that ultimately, we as believers, we often have these situations that come up and we often have these um, questions that come up in our, in our minds. Sometimes these questions are caused by events that happen to us. Sometimes these um, questions are caused by things that are going on in our culture around us. Sometimes these questions are caused by uh, things that we misinterpret or things that we misunderstand in Scripture. But ultimately, every one of us at some point or another has had questions. As we saw earlier, the questions that we have aren't always very coherent. And the questions that we, and the answers to those questions aren't, are equally sometimes as um, difficult to understand. That was a funny way to illustrate it. It was a funny way to kind of bring everything together. But ultimately, we all have these questions and we all have these moments that we need an answer to the questions that we have. But they're very, it's difficult for us to find the answers we want. Or maybe the questions that we have we will not get the answer that we want. And so this, this is the first um, message in a, a series. It be, started out as a, a lesson series that I started planning about not quite a year ago uh, for the fuel, and it has turned into a sermon series uh, on questions. It started out as big questions, but it has turned out to be, but what about a deep dive into the questions that haunt us? Because so many times, we as believers, we have these questions that are just in the back of our mind. They're sitting right there, and we're constantly having to ask, but what about this? I know God is a big God, and I know God is a good God, but what about this thing that happened? Or maybe, you know, I know I'm not supposed to go here or do that, but what about this? You know, I know that this is what the Bible says, I know this is where I should be, but what about this thing that our culture says? You know, we have these questions and we have these but what abouts that constantly come up and they ultimately drive us away from Scripture, but they, all, they have the potential to drive us away from um, our joy. They have the potential to drive us away from our confidence in Christ. They have the potential to drive us to a place in our, our spiritual walk that we really don't want to be and we really shouldn't be because we need to be focusing on who God is, on what he has done for us, and ultimately on the message that he has told us to proclaim. And so these questions, when they come up, we have to ask that, we have to deal with them in some way. Far too many of us don't deal with them. 
we just kind of shrug them off. We might quote a scripture verse at them or something like that, but we don't really deal and we don't really dig to find out a real answer. So today, the first in the series is, but what about pain? We live in a world that's full of pain. We live in a world where things happen all the time that are painful. We see pain day in and day out. And we have this question in our mind, you know, I know God is good. I know that God um, knows what he's doing. I know that he's in control. But what about pain? But what about pain? Is he good even though there's pain? Is he good to me even though there's pain? How can there be pain and a good God in a world if he is sovereign, if he is sovereign and he is good, then it would seem to, to uh, proceed that there should be no pain, but that's not the way, that's not the world we live in. So the question that we often have is, but what about pain? Is God good despite pain? Next slide. So in this passage, we see this story where there's a lot of pain. It starts out at the very beginning uh, uh, about um, Jacob's daughter, Dinah. You know, best estimate, she's probably between 12 and 16 years old. We don't know exactly. Best estimate I could find is between 12 and 16 years old. Um, she's just coming into the, the period of where she would be um, looking for a husband in that culture. And she has this tragic thing that's hap that happens to her. And it's not something that she could necessarily prevent. It's not something that she can... Um, could have stopped, and I don't really see anything in Scripture that indicates that she did anything wrong. Um, we know that later the Israelites were commanded not to intermarry, but in this particular passage, the Scripture doesn't really indicate that she did anything wrong. It, it, her story should have become a cautionary tale to the Israelites when they came back into the land later. Uh, one could argue that it wasn't, but so Dinah represents this, this first group of people in the story who are um, this first group of people who are caught in the rip currents that other people have created. So we're, we're, we're talking about a deep dive into the questions that haunt us. So we're going to go with this theme of, of water. This first group is the people who are caught in the rip currents that other people have created. These are the people who they're going through something, and it's not something that they have done. They're, they haven't put themselves in the situation. They woke up one morning, and everything was fine, and by the end of the day, their world was falling apart. These are the people who um, everything seems to be going good, and suddenly one day, it's not. These are the people who get caught up in a, a cosmic struggle, sometimes. We, I think of uh, Job, who everything was fine. He was righteous. He was upright. He did everything the way that he thought he was supposed to be doing, and then he shows up one day, and literally he loses everything, and he doesn't know why. These are the people who are caught in this group. Um, Dinah is one example of that in this story. Another group of people here, um, that is an example of it from our account, is the people of the city, Right? They don't, they don't really necessarily know all of this that's happened before about Shechem and Dinah. 
But they wake up one, one day, and, and Simeon and Levi are there killing everybody. You know, the, things are happening outside of their periphery. They're happening outside of their ability to control, and they just get caught up in this web of stuff, this web of pain. There's another group of people here. And this is the group of people who cause their own pain. And I want to make sure, I want to make it very clear, these are two different groups. The first group of people, like I said, who are caught up in something that they didn't want to be caught up in and they didn't create. The second group are people who, who know better. They step off the cliff into the pain that they know is coming. These are the people who see it coming. They, they know what God has said. And instead of following his word, they go in a direction that they shouldn't. These uh, examples of this in our account here are Shechem. Um, and also, and you can just go ahead and bring up the other two as well, uh, Simeon and Levi. And two different types of th- dynamics going on with these, these two di- groups of people. Shechem obviously was the one who, he just flat out sinned. Now, what we're talking about here, we know that this practice of um, raping an individual in order to get her as a wife, in order to get leverage to bring her in as a wife, was unfortunately a, a fairly widespread practice. We know that because there are actually laws governing it. Not banning it, governing it. Um, so that tells you that we, we, we have these old um, law codes, and we, we know that it was significant enough of a problem and recognized as significant enough of a problem that they wrote a, a law for it. And so, unfortunately, this wasn't, this wasn't something that was out of the blue. It happened. But the thing that was unusual was that they know it's wrong. They, they did regulate it because they understood the pain that it caused. A, a woman who went through this, if she wasn't married to that person, probably wouldn't get married, which in that culture was, uh, her life was over, basically. And so they knew this, they understood this, and um, most of these law codes would say that, number one, if, if you choose to go this route, you're going to pay a higher price for her dowry. But number two, several of the law codes state that you could never divorce her because it was a recognition of the pain and the, um, the position that that individual had put her in. So what we have here is a Shechem knows, he understands, he sees what this will do, and yet he's more concerned with what he wants, and he's more concerned with him, himself, than he is the, the plight of people around him. He's focused on himself, and that's all that he cares about. The other group of people is Simeon and Levi. Now, these, these people, rep- these represent people who um, make mistakes or at the very least make up some kind of a justification for their sin. For their sin. It is totally unacceptable to decide that you're going to take vengeance on, in your own hands and go out and wipe, a, wipe out a city. That's totally unacceptable. Um, but what they, from their perspective and living in their world, they saw what had happened to, to their sister, and they decided that the best way to avenge her 
was to do this. These are people who you're not necessarily focused just on yourself, but you are focused on something that's outside of God's will, and you go and do it. And maybe, maybe you didn't intend for it to turn out the way that it, it, ha- it turned out, but it did. You still walked off the cliff. You still walked into an area where God had, had prohibited you from going, and you still caused pain because of it. So there's, there's the two groups of people, the people who are caught up in everything that these people create, and then these people who are creating all of this, this current. Now, there's a couple of things that we want to talk about when we think about these, these groups, a couple of different um, sets of questions, if you will. And so the first question, and this is, this is the people, this is um, you know, the, the first question the, the second group of people asks is, did I, did I blow it, right? So you've walked off the cliff, you've gone after something that you know you're not supposed to go after, you, you, you've decided that you're going to go, you're going to sin, you finally come to your senses and you realize the pain that you've, you've caused, and the first question you tend to ask is, well, did I blow it? And I think this actually, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this passage because I think this dovetails nicely with what uh, we've been talking about, with what Pastor Philip has been talking about the past couple of Sundays. So you can go ahead and bring up the other questions. So wrapped up in this idea of did I blow it is, did it, will it affect my future, and can I ever be used again? And that's what we mean when we, when we, when we ask the question, did I blow it? It's, will this affect me in the future, and can I ever be used because of what I've done, because of what I, how far outside of God's will I've stepped? And as we've seen with, uh, lately with Gehazi, yes, on both accounts, it will affect your future. You walk off, you walk out into that, you step outside of God's will, and it's going to change your future. Sin always changes your future. When you step into death, there is pain. When you step into death, there will always be pain. And when you step out of God's will, you are stepping into death. And that's what we saw with Gehazi. He made a decision that he wanted something, he coveted some possessions, and he stepped out into death, and it caused him lasting pain. But as we saw with him, even though it affected him permanently, he still served, right? He still chose to move forward and serve. We, we see the same thing with uh, King David, right? He made a mistake, and it affected the rest of his life. His king, his reign, was never the same after his, his mistake with uh, Bathsheba. But he didn't let it define him. He continued to serve, and ultimately he set up for the production of the temple later on. And so you have this, this struggle that goes on where, okay, you're in this pain, you're feeling the consequences of your sin, and you're in the thralls of this, and you're asking the question, will it affect my future, and can I ever be used again? The answer to both is yes. It will affect your future. It always affects your future. You step out into death, you step outside of God's will, you step into uh, the things of this world, 
and it will affect who you are. It's going to cause pain on you and on others. But you can still be used, maybe not in the same capacity, but you can still be used if you don't let it define you. Now, the the interesting thing about this, and I, I should have mentioned it earlier, when we're talking about this group of, of Shechem people, including Shechem, right? Um, well, let's move on to the next one. Let's move on. I, I'll, I'll say that here. And you can go ahead and bring up the question. So when you are a uh, diner, this is the portion of the message today that I really have I've struggled with because I don't believe that I can really answer these questions the way that they need to be answered. Or not that they, the way they need to be answered, the way that you would want me to answer them. Because the reality is when you're in the situation, when you're, when you're a Dinah, you don't necessarily care. What you're really asking is not necessarily does he care. What you're really asking is, God, I want to know why. I want to know why this thing happened. I want to know why I am in so much pain. I want to know why you let this happen the way that it happened. You're not really asking, does he care? You're saying it doesn't feel like he cares. And you're saying, because it doesn't feel like he cares, I want to know the answer to why. I want it to make sense. I want to know that at the end of the day, it's going to be worth it. And unfortunately, I can't stand up here and give you those answers. Because only God knows the specific reasons why he allows one thing to happen or the other thing to happen. I can answer these questions up on the board, but I can't answer the real questions that are in the back of your mind of why would it, he let it happen to me specifically. I can't answer the question of is it going to be worth it in the end. I can't, when, when someone is in the, the, the privacy of their own home, wailing in pain because of what they are going through, I cannot answer the questions that are running through the back of their mind, the real questions that are running through the back of their mind, because they are all deal with that specific situation, and it's all based on that circumstance. But what I can answer is, does he care? The significant um, thing about this, well, I'll go there in a second. So couldn't he have prevented it? Um, yes, you know, God could, God has the power, the capability to prevent and work his, to prevent things from happening and also to cause things to happen at will. He is internal, he is eternal in both directions. He's eternal in both time and space. And from that, we get the idea of omniscience, omniscience, and omnipresence because of his eternality in, in both dimensions. And so we know and if he is everywhere present, if he has all knowledge, and if he has all power, then he has the capability, technically and theologically, to do anything. What he does not have the capability of doing is go, to go against his own character. That's really the only thing. He cannot violate his own character. And part of his character is that he has chosen to give people a choice. He has chosen to give us 
as human beings the choice to serve or not serve, to live as he would have us live or to not live as he would have us live. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. He gives us choices. I've searched scripture and I can't find one instance where he does not, where he gives someone a choice, but he doesn't allow the person to live according to the choice that they've made. I found a lot of places in scripture where he gives people choices unexpectedly. Think about um, Mary. That wasn't something that she was expecting to, you know, when Gabriel showed up to announce Jesus' birth. But he, he gave her, he, he said, hey, this is what's going to happen. And she had a choice of how she was going to respond to that. I, I've seen a lot of places where God gives a choice. Someone chooses poorly or someone chooses well, and God rewards or he punishes as a result of the choice that's made. But I cannot find a place where he gives someone a choice, they make a choice, and then God comes back and says, oh, you know what, that's, you chose wrong. We're just going to pretend, you're going to, we're going to pretend you chose the other way. I cannot find a place where he takes away the choice that someone has. And what happens and how, where pain comes from is when people choose poorly. Pain is the result of a human who chooses to do the wrong thing. Pain is not God's fault. Pain is the fault of everyone sitting in this room. And the pain that we have when we're sitting in these moments, when we're wailing in the privacy of our own home, when we're going through these things that are ripping our hearts out, when we're sitting there and we're dealing with these things, it is not God's fault. Does he care? Yes, he cares. He cares so much, in fact, that he has chosen to give us a choice. He cares so much that he wasn't going to just force us to be something that, to force us to be something. He loves us enough to give us the opportunity to voluntarily choose him. The problem and where pain comes into the equation is when we decide not to follow him. Pain comes in when we decide to step outside of what he has planned for us. Pain is not God's fault. Could he have prevented it? Yes. Why would he let it happen? Because he cares. He cares enough to give us a choice. That being said, he also cares enough to not let it go on forever. Uh, when we look at this next slide, you can go ahead and bring the verse up. There's two verses that I want to read to you today. Um, the first is John 14, 24, and 26b. I say unto you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Where I am, there my servant will be also. And the next verse that I, I want to bring out, bring your attention, is 1 Corinthians 15:20. But now, Christ has been raised from the dead, 
the first fruits of those who are asleep. So the idea that we have here is this picture of Jesus Christ who died. And he tells us specifically that unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it cannot grow. But what he also says is that where he is, everyone else, we who believe will also be. Guys, here's the point that I'm trying to make. Because Jesus Christ died, He was the first fruits of the resurrection. Because he died and because he was raised, we know that there is more fruit to be harvested down the line. We know that he is coming back. We know that the end of pain is near because he he was raised. You know, when we have a baptism up here, Philip says, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Why is that significant? It's significant because it is in the likeness of his resurrection. His resurrection happened. And because it happened, ours is is shortly behind. At least 2,000 years, but shortly behind in the grand scheme of of time. And so what we have this, we have this confidence in knowing that yes, there is pain. Yes, we go through the struggles. Yes, we feel hurt because of the things that happen, because of the choices that we are allowed to make. But in the end, there will come a day when the resurrection will happen and all of that will be done away with. The pain will be gone and we will be with him. We will be with the first fruits of the resurrection. Because he was raised, we will be too. Those of us who believe will be as well. So he loves us enough to give us a choice. He loves us enough to care and give us a choice so that we could choose him, but he also loves us enough to not let the pain that results from those poor choices continue. For a lot of us, that's that's when we're sitting in the midst of the moment. These are things that we know. A lot of times we don't really want we don't really want to be told this stuff. We know it. And it's comforting to an extent. But when we're standing over a casket, we're not really interested in the theology. We're not interested in the, the debates around free will and sovereignty. We're not interested in all of that stuff. What we're really asking is, why me? Why now? And like I said, those are questions I can't answer, but I can tell you this. He's not going to let the pain last forever. It will be done. There will come a day when the pain that results from these poor choices will be over. There will, be, there will come a day when he will come back, and we will be made in resurrected bodies, free from the pain caused by our choices, our poor choices that we make here. It's an interesting thing to think about, though, as we we think about Dinah, these two groups of people, Dinah and Shechem. Um, Well, specifically when we think about um, 
proscenium levi. Hurt people hurt people. And if you're a Simeon or a Levi, or, you're, or even if you're a Dinah, you choose how you're going to respond to the pain. When you're in that pain, you have a choice to be Simeon and Levi and go off and annihilate a village because of your pain. You have that choice. But that is not a choice that you should make. The choice that you should make is to fall back in the arms of our Lord. Because ultimately what happens when you go and you annihilate that village, well, now you're causing pain to someone else who's going to go on and, and cause pain to someone else who's going to go on to pain, cause pain to someone else. And there's this never-ending cycle of pain. But we are here, the alike. We are here to spread the gospel. We are here to show people that we have a hope, and that hope is the coming return, the soon return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if we're busy going off annihilating villages because of our pain, we're not showing that light. We're not showing that hope. We're not showing the world that we have something better coming. We're not showing the world that we have the confidence that the pain that we are experiencing will soon be over. So, first thing here, let's look at this. Where do I go from here? If you're a Dinah, you have a choice whether or not you become a Simeon or a Levi or worse yet, a Shechem. We just talked about that. Regardless of who you are, your future has been altered. You know, that's an interesting thing to think about. Um, Dinah's future was changed as well. She didn't cause it, but her future was changed as well. I alluded to the fact that in this time period, someone who went through something like this could expect to never get married. Her future was altered. She didn't cause it to be altered, but it was altered. Simeon and Levi did make a choice that ultimately did alter, or, and that ultimately did alter their future. If you go back and you read the order of the sons, there are three sons of Jacob who are born before um, Judah. But the blessing of rulership was passed, passed to Judah. It passed over all three of, of the sons before Judah. Simeon and Levi, the reason why, specifically stated in Genesis 49, is because of what they do here. Jacob chooses not to give them the blessing of rulership because of the violence they did here. The things that you do, the choices that you make, will have an effect on your future. But you choose whether or not that pain will define your legacy. Next. And yeah. Pain hurts, but pain also points us to the end of hope. We don't know how long it will be. But we have the confidence that ultimately the pain will be over 
because we know that Jesus Christ is coming back. And we know he is coming back because he has already risen. We know that we will be resurrected because he was resurrected. The pain will be over eventually. We need to rest in the assurance of what he has done for us. It doesn't make it any easier. It doesn't make the pain go away. And that's really what we're looking for when we're asking these questions and we're trying to figure out why me, why now, all of, that, all of those questions. And we're trying to figure out something that will make the pain go away. That's what we're trying to do. What The thing that makes the pain go away is the confidence that it's coming, that it will go away because he has already risen. So folks, my challenge to you today is that when you ask these questions, when, you, when you're standing on the brink, when you're standing there in pain, because of the Shechem's in the world, or the Simeon's and the Levi's, or when you have the choice of whether or not to become a Shechem, or whether or not to become a Simeon or a Levi, what we need to do, what I challenge you to do, is to recognize that pain will follow from the choices that you make. And if you're a Dinah, I challenge you to recognize the fact that the pain will come to an end. I encourage you to recognize the fact that the choice that has allowed that is evidence of God's care, even though it doesn't seem that way. So as the uh, musicians come, bow our heads and, and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you that you did send your son to die on the cross to take our place so that we might be made right with you, so that we can know you, and then ultimately so that we could be with you. Lord, we thank you for the assurance of the resurrection that you've given us. Lord, we thank you that you have given us the opportunity to choose to love you, to choose to follow you. And God, I beg of you that you will help us to understand the consequences of our actions that you'll help us to see that the choices that we make to step out of your will will call pain. And I pray that you will help us, that your spirit will lead us in a way to make choices that alleviate pain rather than cause it. And Lord, ultimately I pray that as these questions come up in our minds, I pray that you and your spirit will give us the knowledge, give us the wisdom, give us the understanding how to answer these questions and how to be a, a light in the world that you've created for us to be in. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are once again. And we pray that we will be that light that you've called us to be. So it's in your son's name that I pray. Amen.